If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Parsha HaShavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Parsha, only on 101.9 High FM. And a wonderful Arab Shabbos to all of you. Great to be with you. Great to once again take a look at this week's Parsha and to ask some pertinent questions, to look at the Parsha and to see what in fact its message is for this week for life. Because after all, Torah is called Torah Chaim, the Torah of life, because it talks to us about life, because it's the source of life, not only a book of wisdom, not only did God give us a book of laws, He gave us a book of life. And life itself is contained within Torah. And therefore for us to live life in the fullest sense of the word, to live life in the most appropriate way, Torah is the guide to life, and to Torah we turn. And it's an incredible parsha. Parsha is Bahalotcha. It's a parsha that contains all sorts of interesting elements. And when we look at it, some of them are in conflict one with another. But nonetheless, as we all know, the entire parsha has to hang together. It's one continuous, not story, but one continuous line. And while, of course, made up of different elements, and as I said before, sometimes conflicting elements, nonetheless, it's one combined dimension and element. The Parsha begins with God speaking to Moshe to tell Aaron about Halotcha et Hanerot to kindle the menorah, to kindle the candelabrum in the Mishkan, in the tabernacle. And it has a subtext, it has a story within the story. Because Aaron was, in a sense, as Rashi tells us, quoting the sages, Aaron was dismayed. He was disappointed. He felt that he and his tribe were not part of the initial inauguration of the temple. All the other tribes and their leaders brought specific gifts, as we learned last week. Each one brought a particular gift for 12 days. And Aaron thought to himself, why was he and his tribe excluded? Now, it's important for us to understand what, in fact, is taking place. Aaron was a pious man, a righteous man, a great man. Aaron was the high priest. Aaron was not given to simple jealousy. The others had something extraordinary, and he didn't participate. That's not what it's all about. But Aaron understood the incredible importance of the initial inauguration of the temple. There's something extraordinarily important about that. And he felt that he and his tribe of the Levim, the Levites, should somehow play a role in that as well. And this is why, Rashi says, Cholshadate, he was somewhat despaired. Why was he excluded? And God said to him, I assure you, you were not excluded. Because what you will be doing by lighting the candelabrum is actually far more important and far greater than the gifts that the heads of tribe brought. Now, as we learned last week, what was so special about the gifts that they brought. Yes, of course, each one of those gifts had tremendous significance, representing all sorts of important elements from the time of Adam, through the patriarchs, through Moshe, through the Torah. 
but was far more important that each and every single day it was as if it happened for the very first time. It was done with such incredible passion. It was done with such incredible dedication that even though the day before and the day before that, the exact same gifts were given, every single time that the head of a tribe brought that gift, it was as if it was for the very first time. That's what made those gifts special. And what God says to Aaron, what you are going to do every single day, when you prepare and kindle the menorah, it will be as if it's the very first time that the menorah is being kindled. Now that takes extraordinary dedication. That takes extraordinary involvement and passion. Can you imagine doing it once and to think it's the very first time? But to do it every single day, to kindle the menorah every single day, and to have the feeling, and not only the feeling, but the reality, that it is as if it's done for the very first time, God says to Aaron, you have the capacity, you and your fellow kohanim, your fellow priests, have the ability and the capacity to achieve that incredible level of dedication and passion, that every single time the candelabrum is being kindled, it's as if it's the very first time. And this brought tremendous, tremendous comfort to Aaron, because he realized that lighting the candelabrum, as we'll soon explain, was no simple experience. Of course, we know that everything that took place in the Mishkan, everything that took place in the tabernacle was extremely holy and special. There was the sacrifices, there was the incense, there were all sorts of incredible activities that took place. But somehow, kindling the menorah had a unique and special dimension that nothing else had. It somehow had a central role and theme that touched the soul of each and every single individual. It was not only kindling the menorah. It was not only bringing light into the tabernacle that extended outward. It was an act of developing a sense of unity within every single individual. As the Pusser continues to say, that when you kindle those lamps, three on one side, three on the other side, they will face the central lamp. It's not enough that you kindle them, but you have to kindle them in a way where each flame bends itself toward the center. There is a sense of unity, a recognition that there is something that binds them all together. There is a center. There is something that, in fact, brings about a tremendous dimension of unity a unity that's extraordinary, a unity that brings together different elements, allows for each one to play a significant role, but at the same time ties them all together in a tremendous bond of unity and oneness. More of that soon. This is the Pasha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. 
As I mentioned earlier on, the Parsha contains a number of stories almost that seem to be, well, out of context within the Parsha Bahalotcha. Bahalotcha within this Parsha refers to the instruction that Moshe received from God to pass on to Aaron, to kindle the menorah. Bahalotcha has, well, different translations. It could be to uplift, to raise. Uh, there's so many other terms that can be used for kindling, ladlik. Why does Torah use this word, Bahalotcha? So Torah tells us it's to kindle the menorah in such a way that each flame begins to go up by itself. And therefore the entire Parsha, Bahalotcha, carries this theme as we always speak, that the name of the Parsha somehow carries its message throughout the entire Parsha. It's a Parsha that talks about Bahalotcha, uplifting, taking something and raising it higher, bringing it to a greater level, a higher level. Yet toward the end of the Parsha we come across a story which is, well, hardly uplifting. It's a story where, well, the people began to rebel. And to rebel in the most terrible fashion. Some people say it was rabble. Some people say it was the elders themselves. But they began to talk about, we're dissatisfied with this godly food that comes down from heaven every day, this manna. We remember the wonderful fish that we had in Egypt that was given to us for free. Remember the melons and the cucumbers and the leeks. What a strange thing for them to say. They were given fish for free. They weren't even given straw. They had to find their own straw to make the bricks to build whatever they had to build over there. They were given anything for free. They were slaves and whipped. What were they talking about? And the terminology that is used is that they began to lust, to crave, for the simple reason, because they craved. They were dissatisfied with this godly food. What was happening to the people? Here they are, fully protected by divine clouds. Every need is taken care of. And suddenly they begin to complain, Moshe, looks at this and wonders, what is happening to these people? He turns to God and says, what did you do to me? These people want, and they said, we want to eat meat. He says, where should I find meat for them? It's a very strange story. And in actual fact, the place where all this took place was named Kivrot HaTa'ava, the Graves of Lust. It was a place that forever carried a name of shame. And a terrible plague broke out over there. Because the people exposed the lowest possible level of their lives. First of all, speaking about the wonderful lives they had in Egypt. How shameful, how disgraceful. They didn't have wonderful lives. And the Egyptians certainly didn't give them any fish for free. And the second thing is leeks, melons, cucumbers. Commentaries point out something very important. 
The manna miraculously could taste like anything you wanted it to taste. That was a divine. Whatever taste, whatever taste you wanted the manna to have, that's what it tasted like, except for cucumbers, leeks, and melons. And the reason was because those things were considered harmful to nursing mothers. And because they were considered harmful to nursing mothers, those were tastes that the manna didn't have. What happened over here? Those were the tastes that people wanted. Because when people become so lustful, when people lose a sense of clarity and purpose and decency, they don't care if their desires hurt others as long as their lustful desires are fulfilled. Those tastes can hurt nursing mothers, but they could care less. We see the level of descent that the people fell into. And the story is not a nice story. And what happened was a terrible plague, and the people were punished. And one wonders, how come that story is told to us in the Parsha that's called Baha'alotcha? A Parsha that is called Raising Up, Uplifting. That's hardly a story of upliftment. That's a story of, of terrible descent, of falling into a situation which is called Kivrot HaTa'ava. It's called the graves of lust. And yet, it's within this Parsha of Behalotcha. It's within the Parsha of raising up. And therefore we have to ask ourselves, how do these things happen? How does it happen that a people living in such divine comfort could fall to such a level? When God told Moshe to tell Aaron to kindle the lamp, he said, Bahalotcha. You have to do it in a way where although you will actually give the wick the initial fire, the fire has to go up by itself. What does that mean? You know, we can be inspired. We can be taught. We can be guided. We can be helped. We can be taken to all sorts of levels. But there comes a moment where each and every one of us has to lift themselves up on their own. And we have to develop a personal relationship with Hashem. We have to do it in ourselves and with ourselves. And not to rely on others all the time. It's called maturity. It's like a parent raising a child. There comes a point where the parent has to stand back where a parent has to stand back and allow that child to walk on their own. And the child might stumble, but the child has to walk on their own. You have to kindle that flame so the flame goes up on its own. And unless you have that experience, no matter how inspired you might be by others, how protected, how, well, taught you are by others unless you have integrated that to such a degree that you are able to lift yourself up 
on your own and develop a personal relationship with Hashem. God forbid there might be a challenge along the way that you won't have the strength to overcome and you might stumble. And this is why it's so necessary. It's so necessary to develop that personal relationship with Hashem. This is what this parsha is all about. Yes, a person can fall into, well, the lowest level, but there is always the opportunity of Baha'alotcha. There's always the opportunity of rising up to a higher level, of rising up to a greater level. You can, no matter how far you've fallen. This is something which is so important for us to understand. There's a story in the middle of the Parsha that tells us about this. It's similar to the story of Aaron, well, feeling dismayed that he wasn't part of the initial inauguration and God consoled him by saying, what you're going to do is far more important. And it's a story that you've heard so many times and we've talked about it so many times. It was the people who were in a state of Tumah, ritual impurity, and couldn't bring the Korban Pesach, the Passover sacrifice. And they came to Moshe and they said, why should we be excluded? And Moshe turns to God. What does God say? They're right. They are right. In a month's time, we will give them a chance to rectify that and to bring the Passover sacrifice. It's called Pesach Sheni. This is something which is so important for us to understand. No matter how far we fall. Yes, we should have, well, developed the personal relationship with Hashem that we should have, well, met the challenge initially. But if we didn't, the bahalotcha, the upliftment, rising above the situation is always possible. And we can. And if we can, we should. And if we should, we could. And this is something that we have to know. We are far greater than we think we are. One of the greatest mistakes, and perhaps even a sin, is giving up. Because giving up is an indication that we don't understand or think of how great we really are. The potential that we have. We never, ever lose that. We have a neshama, we have a soul. And that soul is pure. As we say every single morning in the morning prayers, the soul that you gave me, Tahara, it's pure, it's holy, it's unblemished. And even though it might be covered with all sorts of situations that we call life, material things, silly things, other things, it's there. And all we have to do is to revive it. We have to learn how to create a flame that rises on its own. But even if we fail at that, we never fail permanently. Bahalotcha is always a possibility. And therefore, even though that terrible story is told to us at the end of the Parsha, a story that boggles the mind, a story that, well, makes us think, what could have possibly gone wrong that the Jewish people behaved in such, well, an embarrassing, disgraceful way? Even then, 
you can rise to a higher level. You can pull yourself out of that terrible situation and become what you should become, a flame of fire, where you bring together the various elements of your soul and you become whole and you become united and you become complete, complete within yourself, complete with Hashem, complete in the fullest sense of the word. This is something which is so important in our day and age, in a world, in a time of chaos. We need wholeness. We need unity. More of that soon. This is the Pasha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. So basically what the entire Pasha is telling us, two things. Number one, initially, when you light a flame, which of course means not only lighting a physical flame, it's that, but the flame in your soul. When you are uplifting, when you're being inspired, guided, taught, helped, make sure that you take that opportunity to uplift yourself as well. That you take that opportunity to rise as a result of your own efforts and strength. Because that's what's going to give you the ability to meet challenges, any challenges. But God forbid, if you don't meet those challenges properly. And as we see at the end of the Parsha, how the Jewish people fell at the place called Kibrot HaTava, the graves of lust. Don't think all is lost. It's still part of the Parsha of Bahalotcha. You can still rise to higher levels because the essence of your soul is still intact. It never, ever decays. It never, ever becomes blemished. It's wonderful. And here, let me take you a little bit to the Haftarah. The Haftarah is a fascinating story. It comes from the book of Zechariah, Zechariah. It's a time, well, of great difficulty for the Jewish people. Many have come back from Babel, Babylon. After the first temple was destroyed and the Jewish people were exiled to Babylon, it was time for them to come back. And Darius... Darius gave permission for the second temple to be built. But there were tremendous, tremendous challenges. Attacks by neighboring enemy armies, the Cathians, others. And the people who were charged with the duty of building the temple became disheartened. And Zechariah, the prophet, is shown a vision. And the angel says, what do you see? And he says, I see a golden menorah, a golden candelabra. And on its sides I see palms with olives. And miraculously the olives are pouring oil into the candelabra. And he asks the angel, what does this mean? And the angel says to Zechariah, it means that the temple will be built and therefore don't in any way become disheartened by the challenges that you face. The people will come back. The sixth temple will be built. The nations of the world will stand up and praise and see the great glory of God. 
לא בחייל, לא בכוח. Not with armies and not with might and power will the temple be built. With the hand of God, a miracle. And this is something which is so important for us to understand. Again, the symbol of the menorah, the symbol of the menorah, the light, the divine light and the miracle of Hashem. When people become disheartened, when people say, ah, the challenges are so difficult, they must stop for a moment and consider What are they using as an argument? Power, might, armies, physical things. Physical things is not what gives us strength at the end of the day. We are a miraculous people. A miraculous people that transcend all those things. That's what our history tells us. That's what our history shows. The menorah is the light that reminds us that it has to be part and parcel of every single aspect of our lives. There has to be a passion, a desire of unity within ourselves. Within ourselves, I'm talking about each and every one of us, within our hearts, within our minds, within our being, within our consciousness. There has to be a sense of devotion. We cannot be a chaotic and loose people, not knowing what we are, who we are, whether the whisper, We can't just float around, be influenced by social attitudes and mores that have no basis in our lives. We have to have the strength, the conviction of values that are eternal, eternal from a Torah point of view. That's our strength. Every aspect, the six midot, the six emotional energies that we possess, they have to face toward the central, toward the central element of unity. the central flame, unity within ourselves. That's what gives us strength. So when you're in Shul tomorrow, listen carefully. It's a fascinating parasha. It has all sorts of interesting elements, interesting stories, interesting messages. You might be confused with how this, in fact, is part of one parasha. But you'll work it out. Think about the word Bahalotcha. And in each one of those situations, think about how this can and should be an uplifting experience. And even though the story might be, well, a little bit despairing, think about how it can, in fact, be uplifting. And you'll work it out. You'll see that it can. And this is something which is important to apply to life on a daily basis. Shortcomings, challenges, setbacks. They can be and they should be uplifting experiences as well. So listen carefully to the reading of the Parsha. And then listen carefully to the reading of the Haftarah as well. It's a fascinating story. Be in Shul tomorrow. Listen carefully. Listen carefully to what it says to you, to you personally. Good Shabbos.